I'm Jonathan Arick. I've uh, been a tutor in New York for 30 years now and have been working on the SAT, SAT as well as other eighth grade exams and uh, SATs, ACTs, stuff like that down the road. Uh, personally, my father went to Stuyvesant, my mother went to science, and I went to Hunter, so I'm a little specialized high school family. And with us tonight, I'm Jonathan Arick, and we have... I'm Alyssa Stein. I run High School 411, which is a a company that helps families through the complicated high school process in New York City. I'm the parent of two kids at specialized high schools. My son is a senior at Brooklyn Tech, and my daughter is now a junior in college, and she went to Brooklyn Tech as well. I was PTA president there for years and years. Uh, I know that school and other schools well, and at this point, I've worked with over 1,000 families helping them through this process. So today, we're here to talk about the SHSAT, Specialized High School Admissions Test. Uh, the changes that have happened in the recent uh, past, you know, where things start stand now, but also breaking news. Uh, today, the Department of Education announced that instead of guidance counselors asking kids to sign up and getting permission from their parents and everything going through the school, from now on, parents are going to be responsible for that themselves. Yeah, I anticipate a big mess. Um, some schools sent out information to parents today to let them know that this was happening. Uh, some schools had no idea that this was happening. I was in touch with uh, guidance counselors, with parent coordinators, with principals. And so it's going to be a little bit messy. On the DOE's website, it says that uh, you can start signing up for the test today, but that's not happening. So if you're looking for a sign-up form, it's not there. <laughs> Uh, but supposedly, Perfect. right, but so just to add a little bit more confusion to the process, but supposedly on Friday, the Department of Education is going to be sending out information to let families know how they can access this new sign-up thing. I will say, though, um, the DOE has a new website. It's been glitchy. This is a new system. Uh, 28,000 or so kids sign up for the SHSAT. So it's you're going to want to make volume. sure it's huge volume. And to roll this out, not really letting schools or families know that this was happening, you know, anticipate it's gonna be a little challenging. I'd advise everybody to get a printout, a confirmation, double check with your school anyway, since this is the first year. Um, make sure that if there's a reason you can't make a certain date, I know that certainly I've heard from people about LaGuardia uh, auditions, or, you know, somebody's bar mitzvah is on the date of the test. Those accommodations, make sure you're speaking to an actual person and that you're working that out as soon as possible because, as this continues, it's going to be a little messy. Yeah, I can imagine. Because yeah. also, whatever you can do, as Alyssa was saying, to get confirmation that it, that it went through and you're signed up, because if they stick to a standard operational procedure, the admission tickets don't come out till about a week before or the week yeah. of the test. Week that of, it's usually days. Yeah. And, and so that's not clear yet either. If parents are signing up instead of guidance counselors signing up, who distributes admissions tickets. It's, you know, an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper. Right. It's nothing fancy, but you're not allowed into the test without it. Right. So that's going to be a great question to ask your beleaguered guidance counselors. And they probably don't know yet, but that's a really great point. Yeah. Of You have to have that ticket for admission. That's not going to happen until the week of the test. Right. And you don't want to wait. You don't want to wait that long to know that you're confirmed, that yeah. your child's confirmed and has a so spot. These, so there's going to be a lot of follow-up. This was meant to simplify the jobs <laughs> of guidance counselors. But these poor people are, are going to really be overwhelmed at this point because yeah. there are so many questions, especially since the rollout was not done smoothly. Or, yeah, I don't even know that everybody knows how it's going to work yet. But um, so that's what we're starting with. And from there. Hot off the presses. Hot off the presses. Um, so what we wanted to talk about was what the test is these days. 
I know there are a lot of people out there who have heard things about the test. It's been around forever. Um, there are certain things like scrambled paragraphs and logical reasoning that you hear associated with the test, but things have changed. Right. Um, this is the third year of a new test. Yeah, well, third, third, third year of a different test. Of yeah. a different test. So the test had been the same for the past 20-something years, yeah. basically, Mostly, with the yeah. way that, you know, the questions, the scoring, all that. And then three years ago, uh, they revamped it. Um, in, to, in order to make it align more with curriculum being taught in school, which some of it does and some of no, it doesn't. It doesn't right. So you'll know more about this than me, but they revamped the English section to call it ELA, which is what it's called in Common Core. Right. And to make that, you'll talk more about specifics, sure. more about what kids are doing in school. But the math, which contained information kids hadn't learned yet, is the same. So, so you're still going to need to um, work with your kids on information they haven't yet learned in school Correct. for the math section. Um, but they've dropped scrambled paragraphs. They've dropped logical reasoning. Uh, and the scrambled paragraph section, every question got was worth two points. Um, so now they don't have that anymore. Everything's worth a point. But the scoring is another issue we'll talk about later. So that's the first thing. So, so um, now there are more questions as well. And the test is longer. The test used to be two and a half hours. Now it's three hours. Three hours is a really long time. And this is three hours without a scheduled break. Yeah. So this is very interesting. The, the, uh, the younger the kids are, the longer they're supposed to go without a break. When yeah. you get to SATs and ACTs, you get a break basically about every hour. So here, it's, it's, it's a long haul. It's a long haul. And it's, uh, you know, these are 13-year-old, 14-year-old kids. Mm. First time they're taking a test of this length, there's a lot riding on it. And I heard feedback of uh, varying, you know, varying degrees of efficacy at the different schools people took them at. So at some schools, kids were in and out, three hours oh, sitting. Oh, organizationally, yes. Right. Other schools, kids weren't getting bathroom breaks. They weren't allowed to eat snacks. You're allowed to bring water and snacks into the task. Mm -hmm. Kids weren't allowed to do that. Some kids were in schools up to six hours. I was getting feedback in real time from mm -hmm. families about what was going on. So good thing to like prepare. And as your kid is, is getting ready for the test, have them sit and do real tests for three hours sitting there without you know getting up to check a phone or the bathroom or things like that because you want to make sure that that they're in as good shape as possible and as prepared as possible in all kinds of ways, content, but as well as, you know, just being able to sit still and yeah. focus for that long time. And if you're doing that kind of work, and, and as Alyssa said, definitely should, save this year's handbook with the two most recent exams towards the end of the prep, maybe possibly use one at the beginning and one at the end, because it's the only one that's actually in this exact format that this year's test is going to be in. Since they did a slight rejig again yeah, from last year, last year's tests are like the second most efficient. Um, and, and then the tests prior to that, the math is probably very solid. And I'll get into the reading comp is a little different now. It's more aligned with the way the uh, statewide exams uh, are done. And it looks that way and it reads that way, as opposed to if you look at some of the older SHSATs, the reading comp's a little bit slightly different in flavor. Right. So don't use old books. Right. Like don't use old test prep books. Um, another difference in the test, it's longer because it's longer in length of time because it's longer in the number of questions. Uh, the test used to be 95 questions. The test is now 114 questions. And this is important to know. This is something, as a parent myself, I find infuriating. But 20 of the questions won't count towards your child's score. 
their field test questions. This the DOE kind of snuck in three years ago without any any hearings, any information. I was listening on the phone call where they decided to do this, but they wanted to make sure that the the questions were appropriate for urban kids. And so now there are 10 math questions and 10 English questions that will be on the test presented as everything else that will not count to your, the score and your kids will have no idea which they are. Correct. Yeah. Talk about an added stress. I mean, you know, and I know from having my kids and, you know, you have gone through this countless times, but having your kid prepare and get ready for it. And it's easy sometimes to get stuck on a question. For sure. Yeah. And so learning test taking techniques about when to let go of things and time management and all that is really important. But when you don't even know if a question is going to matter and you can get really caught up and then spin yourself into some really negative cycle about it and it doesn't even count, that I find absolutely infuriating. But it is what it is. Mm -hmm. So you just have to kind of keep in mind that 114 questions, 10 don't count in math, 10 don't count in English. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit too about scoring. So it, it's tricky. It's tricky. It used to be that the test would add up to a total of 100 points. With 95 questions, five of them counted for two points, so that equaled 100. Now, as Jonathan and I were talking about before, 114 questions, 20 of them don't count, so that leaves 94 questions. That doesn't equal 100. No. So what does that even mean? There's no answer. This is all so not transparent. There's not information out there right. about this. But when somebody is scoring your test at the end of the day, it's not out of 94 points or 100 points. Right. Your score is going to be in the 400s, 500s, 600s, and I'm going to leave that to you <laughs> to explain where those numbers come from. So for most of the tests, each question, and I'm going to, and I'm speaking historically, so let's just put a lot, couple of caveats in here at the beginning. Um, and one thing uh, Alyssa had mentioned to me is the Department of Education is now holding back some slots at each of the schools. Oh my gosh, I yes. I talked about that for a minute, and okay. that's going to impact what I'm Wait, saying. so the mayor and the new chancellor decided that they're going to hold out a certain amount of seats at the specialized high school for disadvantaged and first-generation kids. Um, the mayor announced that by 2019, 20% of seats are going to be held out. Nobody knows how many seats are going to be held out this year. It could be 2%. It could be 20%. There's no information. I've been digging and digging. Now, if it is 20%, that's going to drive cutoff scores up because there won't be as many seats available. At so each of the schools. There are, there are like a little over 5,000 seats. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you're taking 1,000 seats out and now you only have 4,000 or so seats available for the 28,000 kids who take that test or so, the cutoff scores, which Jonathan is going to explain, are going to get driven even higher, and it's yeah. going to make that harder to get a seat. Um, so having said that, again, we don't know what the percentage is, but just know at least some seats now are not going to be available to kids taking the regular test. They're going to be held out for this other pool of kids who are kind of being held to a different uh, standard. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to talk in generalities about the scoring, and I'm sure a lot of people want more specific stuff, but... Given the change that Alyssa just mentioned with some seats being held back and the change in the number of questions, it would be foolhardy on my part to really say, this is what you need to get in Stuyvesant, this is what you need to get yeah. into science. So I don't want to do that and by accident mislead anybody, even though, of course, this is the holy grail and everybody wants to know the answer to that question. So given that in mind, going back to the way the test was historically prior to a couple of years ago, 
you needed a minimum of 60 to 64% correct to get into some of the lower tier specialized high schools. CCNY, uh, York and Queens um, were down near that. At the top of the scale for Stuyvesant, you were talking between 89 and 93% correct. So you can use that range and in between, after science tended, after Stuyvesant tended to be Bronx Science, and after Bronx Science, Lehman, and then there are other schools, Brooklyn. They're Latin shifting those. Staten Island Tech was number two last year. Really, they bumped up. Yeah. So it. it's been Stuyvesant, but then Staten Island Tech, Bronx Science, um, American Studies at Lehman, Lehman College. Yeah, but one year people thought Lehman had moved to number two, but it. Really, high school math science. The past few years, it's like this, you know, there's the first Stuyvesant's up there, but and it jockeys, and and all that depends on how kids rank them. Mm -hmm. And that's what that's based on. Sort of which school is the most popular that the most people want to go to, that drives up the cutoff score for those mm -hmm. particular schools. So given all that, I'm not going to talk about each school's number individually. There's your range that you're looking for. And that should take into account, and of course, that's taking into account that theoretically your child does the same percentage right and wrong on the 94 questions that count as well as on the 20 questions that don't count, if there's a discrepancy, then the number right that you're looking for might need to be a little different. One major scoring quirk that still exists, so the cutoff for Stuyvesant historically has been around 561 to 567, mm -hmm. and it floats a little bit. So what did it take to get that score? Well, the it would seem like it's a test out of 600, but it's not. It's a test out of the top score can fluctuate 750 to 800, depending on how they've done the curve that year. And it changes well, every year, and yeah? And it, it does change. So how could the top be so high, and yet the cutoff for Stuyvesant, which is the top, is all the way down at 561, 567? There's a quirk to the scoring curve. So not question number... And for the sake of simplicity, I'm going to use 100 with like the right. old, the old, the right. old, the old set, which instead of dealing with 94, I, well, you know what? I'll deal with 94. So 47 is the top. So what happens is up until getting about 41, 42 correct, each question's been worth about four, five, or six points along the way. So you keep adding five or four, five, or six points for each question you get right. Once your pile of corrects gets to 42, so it's not attached to question number 43, question number 44. It's not about that. It's about my pile of corrects. As I get to those last five correct, 43, 44, 45, 46, 47, they start being worth more than five points. It could be 10, then 15, then another 15, then 20, 25. So all of a sudden, those last five correct get you an inordinate amount of points relative to the corrects along the way. So let me ask you a question sure. that as a parent, I, I heard a zillion times. Mm -hmm. When you hear that, it's better to do really well on one half of the test mm -hmm. and not as well on the other half. Mm -hmm. Like you're able to get a better score that way than getting an equal amount right mm -hmm. of both sides. That's why. That's so why. Like you're kicking butt. If your child, so I went, my kids excelled on the English part. So it was sort of like doing English first, focus on that because the more that you get right at the end of all those questions and you're, you're bringing in all those points. It's like a slot machine almost. Like you get mm -hmm. extra points, extra points, extra points. Your score will go up than if you did really well in math and English. Now, and that's why, it's, you know, that's why you'll always hear like, you'll know, focus on your strength, focus on your strength. And there is truth to that. I'm going to give the counter argument is 
how many of you can count on your 13-year-old not to make five careless mistakes? And that's the date. There's, there's, there's definitely value in the strategy, and I would emphasize the stronger side, but be careful about going overboard with that, which is what a lot of people want to do, and they want to exclusively pr uh, press on one side and kind of leave the other side not getting as much attention. My attitude's always been from test prep and from prepping the test all these years, I would rather get a kid at 43-43 out of 47-47, which means they should be solid for, yeah, a, no, that's for Stuyvesant, right. as opposed to banking on that they're going to nail those all those five and not make any mistakes. I think I, that's harder now. So it's a border, it's a combination of the two. Right. You want to emphasize one side, but not exclusively because you could be cutting off your nose. And I think also now that there are these 20 extra questions that you mm. don't know, it's not like you're actually saying, okay, of all these questions, if I know right. I did well, because 20 of them don't count. And so your kid isn't going to really be able to tell, oh, I'm doing so well on this because they're going to right. be, they, I mean, they could blow through and do great don't on it. Don't even know anything. Extra variables. Well, you know what I'm saying? I think there were four on the math. I didn't do well. And now the question becomes, I remember when my son took the test, you know, and he's a junior. I mean, he's a senior. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> but he, he really prepped for the test. And when math was okay. There were two tricky questions. English, I felt, you know, I felt confident on, but there was one area that I wasn't totally sure, which was great. And he, he, did, you know, he did very well. But that level of confidence about how you performed on it is kind of gone because you don't know. Right. What's counting? What's not counting? Right. And um, the, so there's this really extra, like the sizable variable in the test for kids now. Yeah. And to explain what the field questions, or as I said, experimental questions are, they're going to be trying out questions that are used on future tests. Oh. So from one hand, it's nice because it means they're not sending stuff out that hasn't been taken out for a test bin, and they get feedback about whether it's really an easier, medium, or hard question. The unfortunate thing is it's taking half an hour of your child's time focus and energy away from what really counts and also, that's not fair. I have to say do you remember that the pineapple has no sleeves question on the English language test years ago no. when my daughter was in um, when my daughter was in middle school in seventh grade when it counted towards high school oh. there's a question on the ELA that made no sense and at the end of the day they took it out it didn't count towards test scores it was this big thing um but but it just, it shook the confidence of kids. Sure. And you know, when you think about it, if they're field testing these questions to maybe use on a test, are they any good? Like this was a test question that actually was vetted and it was deemed so bad that it was pulled. So if this is now testing questions to maybe use, who knows how mm -hmm. good they are. Right. And there's, that is, there's a chance. Right. So there's, yeah. I, I think that adds a lot of questions. And as a parent um, who has already gone through this, I was outraged when I heard this. Um, and I hope that people complain and say something. These kids should not be guinea pigs. Right. And this test, this one test, you know, it creates a whole entire trajectory for a child's education. This is not a time for field test questions. True. It's just my opinion. Yeah. Um, okay. What else do we want to talk about before we open up for questions? Um, well, I'm going to talk about, let me talk about for a few minutes um, to, let's talk to eighth grade parents for a few minutes and seventh grade parents for a few minutes about here we are, it's already uh, middle of September. Middle, almost the middle of September. What can you do? So the test is coming up in October. Mm -hmm. If you're an eighth grade parent, hopefully the kid's already been working. If they haven't, definitely get on the stick, get a practice test done this weekend. 
if it's this late in the game and you're getting started, I would use one of the two tests from this year's booklet as the first test and say the second one as the last test and use the last two years that you can get as can in between exams. Yes. Has anybody come out with a test prep book based on the brand new changes? I have that. Well, that was the other thing. I haven't noticed one. I haven't seen anything. And like so like the idea of me recommending what's a great prep test book to go get right now, I wouldn't even venture okay. to say because as, as parents, what you should do is see if any of them are matching up with the new format and see if any of them have said that and check and see if any publisher was smart. They might have an online edition that people right. can look at. So that's a tricky thing right now. I know, also. another thing for parents to worry about. That's of course. But anyway, so if you're in eighth grade, get started this weekend, do a practice test, see where you stand, and then think reasonably about how much you can go up. If you're starting at a combined, you know, 45 right, trying to get up into Stuyvesant territory is not going to happen. But getting over that 60, 64% correct threshold and having a chance at three or four of the schools is definitely a possibility. So make sure you got a target that's reasonable and within your child's grasp and not overreaching and creating undue pressure. Uh, for seventh grade parents, uh, you got some time and hopefully then you will have a second uh, handbook next fall with two additional tests that are better, that are in the correct format. But you need to look, say sometimes reuse and don't always print a whole new test every year in the student handbook. Sometimes they change the math, but they keep the reading comp the same. So I didn't know that. It, oh, yeah. There are a couple of years over the last, since 2010, like for two years, it was about, they kept changing it about every two years. So two years in a row, the handbook was the same. Yeah, exactly. So there aren't necessarily going to be four distinct uh, practice tests. It just happened. I was going through it. Last year's book to this year's book mm -hmm. overlaps, one of the tests overlaps on half the test. <sighs> So you're not, that's not always available. But for seventh graders, uh, so I wouldn't use the two most recent tests right away. I might use last year's handbook as a starter test. And I would start late May, early June, mid-June, have your kids sit down on the weekend and do a practice test before their brain goes into summer mode. Yeah. So, and they will have done the statewide. I know at the end of uh, seventh grade, there's not necessarily a lot going on in some of the public schools, unfortunately, because they kind of, I've been focusing on the ELA and the statewide, math statewide. So. Yeah. Uh, but that's a great time to do an initial test, see where your child's ability is at, and be able to game plan from there. You can fill in. Uh, there are courses available. You get one-on-one -on -one tutoring. I'm with Noodle Pros. We have tutors available. Uh, there are courses out there. You know, the summer might be a really good time to get prep done for a seventh grader because there isn't school homework in the way, and they can devote the time and energy necessary necessary to do the homework and the drill work uh, connected with their class or tutoring prep. Yeah, that's a great suggestion. I, you know, for seventh grade families, uh, both my kids work this way. They started in the spring of seventh grade mm -hmm. and did diagnostic then and did some work, and then they got books that they were supposed to do over the summer. My daughter lost hers. <laughs> um, but, and, but my son was pretty diligent about it. And by August, uh, before eighth grade, he was doing practice tests on his own every weekend. He just really took it to heart and then had test prep uh, in the fall. It's hard work. Mm -hmm. um, and I, my daughter, I, I put through this just because everybody else did it. So it seemed like that's what you're supposed to do. And so when, uh, when my son was in seventh grade, I said, this is an option. You don't have to do it. Like, this right. is a lot of work. If you want to do it, I support you. You have to agree that you're going to put the time in. Right. It's a lot of work. And it's also this 
very conceptual thing, as you in the process know, you're talking about these things that are just names. Kids don't know what they're like. They can barely imagine what it's going to be like to be in ninth grade or high school. And so they're working their butts off to get into these, you know, mythical places, not knowing what they are or what the education is. And, you know, every specialized high school is very different. So there's a disservice being done to lump them all together and say specialized high schools because what you find at Brooklyn Tech is remarkably different than what you're going to find at Brooklyn Latin or math, science, and engineering. You know, each school has a focus, um, a different size. Brooklyn Tech is now over 6,000 kids. They hit 6,000 kids this year. Wow. It's crazy. Um, But then some of the smaller schools are tiny where Mm -hmm. they're like 110 in a class. So they're very, very, very different. Um, And another thing I want to talk about uh, is it's so important to prep for the content. Yes. But another important thing to prep for is how to take a test. And so I know that when people work with, like you can watch online or you work with tutors and tutoring companies, that's really important too. Time management. Time management is so important. Knowing when to um, to let go of a question if you can't find an answer. Knowing how to mark the test. I remember when my little one was practicing for the SAT, I was watching him notate all over his page. It was stuff he learned from his SHSAT prep about whether he was sure of something, when to go back to something. So that's going to really help the kids in this very stressful yeah. day to, to have a comfort in, oh, wait, you know what? I'm walking in, but I have a system. I know I have my analog watch because you can't take a phone into the test. I went out and bought a very nice analog watch. Yeah. Um, but those kinds of things, too, really help. And, and for a kid walking in with a sense of, I've got this, and confidence in what they're doing, both for content and then also test-taking skills, yeah. can make a difference. As a matter of fact, one of the first pieces of advice, ex- I would say except for a kid who's looking for Stuyvesant, every other kid who's taking the test should have a few questions that they don't do. It's okay. Now, they should fill in an answer on the bubble sheet because there's no guessing penalty. Right. So every question should be answered, but it doesn't mean that every question should be done or worked on. There's now a poem on the test for a bunch of kids. That's going to be very difficult. They might want to skip it, leave it to the end. And even if they don't have the time to get back to it, that might be the perfect system for them because they've gone slowly and carefully on the things that were doable, that they didn't make careless mistakes. They took the extra time when they were down to two on a reading comp question that they understood and could get somewhere on and they take the extra 10 seconds to make the best choice that they can between the two that are left as opposed to feeling i gotta get through this i gotta move on i gotta get to everything that could be detrimental to them doing their best so then even during the test itself they're building confidence Mm -hmm. they're answering a question and they feel good about it and they get to the next one like you know what Uh -uh. Mm uh-uh i'll mark it off i can come back later as long as they're okay with that, that really helps. You know, it's a, I've watched so many kids walk out of Stuyvesant when my kids took the test, um, vacillating between like relief. And my son actually, <laughs> my son's like, you know, what? it wasn't so bad. I'm going to play basketball. Right. And just see ya. Um, and kids sobbing. Right. You know, their kids throwing up in the school. It, it really is. This, this is Stress. such a stress filled yeah. experience. And kids know the, the test is hard, but also, having an option of a specialized school is a really nice option when you're applying and, uh, you know, you get two offers. You hopefully get two offers. You can get a specialized offer and then a main round offer and then also LaGuardia if you apply there. But to get into a specialized school, it's so nice to have a choice. When you get your offer letter in the spring, usually March, um, 
and you see two schools on it, and then you can think about what the best fit for your kid is. So you want them to, to be able to take the test feeling good about taking the test and really preparing them to do as well as they can. And something we didn't mention, even though it's three hours without a break, kids are allowed to get up and go to the bathroom. I almost always make my students take, it's, it may seem like they're wasting three or four minutes, but you're not, you're investing it. You're investing it in keeping yourself fresher, splashing water on your face and getting yourself that much more ready for the second section. Because for a lot of them, the endurance is very difficult. And to sit there for three hours. It would be hard for me. It's hard for anybody. So the idea that you create a break, and I had uh, just had a student who moved into the city, so she just did the test uh, August 22nd, and we created two breaks because she needed it because the math was just draining for her. And I said, fine, take a, take a break right before the math and take a break in the middle of the math, and it worked. So it may, But at first, it seems like, oh, my God, how can I get up? How can I lose the time? But it's not time lost. It's time invested so in keeping your well-being together so that you can get through to the end of the task. Advice, like just even taking a deep breath. Yeah. You take a deep, or you're right, splash cold water on your mm-hmm. face. Or just a little, you're standing up and rolling your shoulders because you're hunched over mm-hmm. with that pencil. I call it so the, the, the Bob Cratchit look from Scrooge, right? Bob yeah, Cratchit was his assistant. Just... Right. So it's good to just sort of sit up and roll your shoulders, take a deep breath, and tell your kids these things before they go in. Yeah. Um, a couple more things that I wanted to mention. Um, every specialized school has an open house. Yes. Uh, they're all taking place in October, obviously before the test, because for specialized schools, they're a completely different application. Main round schools, the application is due at the beginning of December. For specialized schools, your child writes the schools that they want on the test itself. Correct. So when they go to the test, that's when they're submitting their application. Their test is their application. So all open houses happen before. Um, most schools have that information posted on their websites. Uh, you don't have to sign up for any of them. The Guardia, you do. Right. And you can do an admissions ticket. Everybody else is open to whomever else wants to go. Brooklyn Tech also hosts tours. And you have to sign up for those. They already started. Um, you go to the calendar on their website and get all the sign-up information. But it really can help to see a school. Mm-hmm. So your kid, my daughter walked into Brooklyn Tech and came home and said, this is it. I don't want to go anywhere else. This is my school. Um, because it's not just hearing about it. And I always say to parents, don't listen to hearsay. Right. Other parents, other people can say a million things. It's the best fit for your kid. Right. And if your kid, it sounds like Bronx science is the perfect fit. And then the really long commute from the West Village, which was us, um, both my kids loved the school and said, I can't do that. I right. can't be there at eight in the morning. And so even though they both would have loved to have gone there, and it was their first choice in terms of, liking a school, it wasn't feasible in terms of an 8 o'clock start. And it really helps in terms of your child's motivation to put in the effort to work on the test. If they have experienced one of the schools and themselves and have felt the connection, that's going to make it that much easier for them to do their homework, to do the practice tests, mm-hmm. to go through what they need to go but through. it's not just conceptual anymore. Right. They have a real right. thing that they're thinking about. And the one more thing I wanted to add, and then we'll go to some questions, is the high school fairs have changed this year. There used to be this big one-stop shop at Brooklyn Tech for, right. for two days. They're not doing that anymore. Oh. I know. It was shocking to everybody. Um, and that was a crazy chaotic experience. You know, 30,000 people. I used to talk school. to Ms. Mazzone all the time. <laughs> um, but they decided now this year, and what they did at that fair was it had all five boroughs were represented, and then all the specialized schools right. were in the gym. Since they're not doing that, 
they're doing borough-specific fairs instead, two weekend sets. There's going to be a September set and October set in each borough. They're happening on the same days in all boroughs. Um, so if you want to look at schools in Manhattan and Brooklyn, you're going to be going to open house, you know, to the fairs in Manhattan and Brooklyn. But nobody said anything about where the specialized school is going to be because the specialized schools are in all five boroughs. And so where are they going to show up for open houses? So it, would, it used to be, uh, it, you know, parents would glom onto the line in the gym because it was a great opportunity to talk to staff and kids from all the specialized schools and just get a sense of things. And that's not happening. Uh, but there's no, there's been no word as to if it will happen or if this year they're just not going to have specialized schools at a, at the at a high school fair. Yeah. So we'd like to open up the questions. I want to get one last technical thing out that I forgot to mention. In terms of practicing and that the practice tests, most of them won't have the ELA questions like the way it is now on the test or the reading comp. One website to go to is Engage in New York, EngageNY, all one word, dot org. And they have the old statewide exam. So if you want to have practice on eighth grade exams, for the ELA questions and for the reading comp in the style that it is now, that's a place to go get some practice. I don't think the difficulty, even though it's for eighth graders, is as difficult as it will be on the SHSAT, but at least it's a place to go and be able to practice that those type of questions that aren't on a lot of the old SHSATs. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Okay. Very good. So do we have some questions? We have lots of questions. We have lots of questions. Have of I have questions, too, and I kind of know this stuff. So bear with me while I you... This is Tori, who's fielding all your questions. Yes. And the, 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 off, the off-camera voice is Tori. Right. And so a big kudos to Tori for pulling this together. And always a pleasure. I've, I've spoken with you before. Yeah, absolutely. Lovely to be doing this again. So what do you got? Okay. All right. Lisa said she just spoke with the principal at Salt School of Science and reiterated the Guidance counselor signs the kids up. So I emailed her and asked what's up. And she's saying the guidance counselor now emailed her and said, Bear with us, everything's changing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we today, said it was hot off the presses. We meant it. It was today. <laughs> she's just wondering how long should she wait? So, from what I've heard back from a whole bunch of families and a whole bunch of schools, and several middle schools were told on Friday that they'd be getting information about how this is going to work. I, would, I mean, it's Wednesday, so we'll see. I would, I would probably give it till Monday or Tuesday yeah, next, next week. week. Don't, don't bug the person. Yeah. It's brand new. It, let them be able to figure right. out what's going on. They're going to have questions to ask. They're going to yeah. have to talk to those. So the difference the is ed, so. for parents out there who've done this before. It used to be at the, the the first or second week of school. Guidance counselor would go to your kid and say, "Hey, are you taking the SHSAT or they, they come into the classroom and they, they take the classroom names. And they take names, and then you get this form that you have to sign and fill right. out. It would happen at the very beginning of school, and then all that stuff is processed." Supposedly, according to this new method, you can sign up until I believe October 11th. Wow! Uh, I can't imagine how this is going to work. But so, so I think that there's like this frenzy now of people because in the past it's always been you do it so fast. But they, I think they haven't worked the kinks out yeah, yet. I would so hold tight yeah. until next week, yeah, and then start. You know, certainly contacting guidance counselors, but also there's a high school helpline on the DOE's website, and call them and ask. Maybe they, you know, maybe they have a more centralized yeah. uh, information I doubt source. It, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole tight. That's okay. our advice. Next. Okay. I've heard you can use old tests for math because that hasn't really changed. Is this true? Yes, for the most part, that's true. The type of math questions, the topics, 
Uh, there's a slight change maybe in the style of some of the way they phrasing things to make it more like the common core in the state wise, but subject matter wise, it's totally good. to And use. it's still subject matter that's not taught yet in right. school. So, the, so you, you're going to need to get, get a, you need to get your kid ahead a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So there'll be topics that you'll see or questions you'll see and your child will say, I've never seen this. It's because they haven't. Because they haven't. Right. So, so much for making the test align more with common core <laughs> when you just forget to do the entire math section. I thought it was 14 thrown out, not 20. Yes, uh, and I actually uh, had that impression originally as well. But if you look in the booklet, the DOE I can't, the, specialized the, the, high school handbook. It's the student handbook. I can't remember what page it's on, but it's listed in there. It's 10 questions per side that are not counted. Yeah, we double checked it. Like I knew it was 20, but I, today I just yeah. doubted myself and I double checked it and it's on the DOE handbook. Give me a minute. Okay. If if our child is taking practice tests, should he or she be aiming for a percent range? What Uh, would sorry? What would that be? The sixty-three to ninety percent mentioned? Yeah. So like I said, for for the range of the school, Stuyvesant's at the top. I believe CCNY and York are towards the bottom, if not at the bottom. And there's been, as you Brooklyn said, Brooklyn Latin is the bottom, and then Brooklyn Tech is the next lowest. Oh, it's low. oh right. No, you're right. York and CCNY came in above Brooklyn Tech. That's yeah. what surprised me in 2006. Um, so. When you say CCNY, I mean math, science, science and engineering. engineering. <laughs> I go by York, Lehman. I always talk about them in York, Lehman, and CCNY. No, I know. And parents get really confused. There's another Lehman College in the Bronx. With not a great reputation. Well, so Lehman, Lehman High School. I mean, Lehman High School. And so Lehman... Right. Um, the, School, Lehman, the Lehman High School that looks like the the Guggenheim and is by the Hutchinson River Parkway is not the Lehman we're talking about. Right. And so the people at the Lehman Specialized School is asking people to call it American Studies, Studies. or HSAS. Right. So I, when I was going through this, everybody called Lehman the school. Right. Like, we're not about Le- Lehman. Lehman. Right. Right. So American Studies. There we go. Um, so yes, that's the range, and obviously Stuyvesant would be towards the eighty-nine to ninety-three percent correct, and then uh, the lesser schools towards the bottom, and then you've got everything else in between. Okay. All of our twelve schools listed are screen schools. We are ranking them according to our honest choice based on the school itself, commute stats, etc. Is this the best way to proceed? I only have twelve schools we like, and we want to rank them in an order that we like and can commute to. Okay, so we're talking about specialized schools right now. That's main round schools, and that's something something completely different. But for both, rank in the order that you want your child to go. There's no game in the system. Um, I'll quickly say that when my daughter was applying, and she was testing really high, and my husband said, put Stuyvesant first. And she said, I don't want to go to Stuyvesant. And he said, yeah, but your scores are great. You could get in. And she said, but I don't want to go. <laughs> and, so, um, and so she put Brooklyn Tech first because that was her first choice. And her scores were great, but she went to the school she wanted to go right. to. So don't try to game things. Rank schools, specialized and main round, in the order of preference that you want your child to go to. And, End of story. And on specialized, even though there are eight, and there's eight slots on, on the bubble sheet so that your child will fill out those eight, you guys should figure it out at home beforehand mm-hmm. so they know what they're putting. You also don't have to list all eight. If yeah. you're only interested in, like, don't put Staten Island Tech down as eighth if you don't want your kid get going there, if that slams up being, you know, the score that matches up. 
So only put the specialized high schools that you care about. And I also had a, had a student years ago who would have been able to get into Bronx Science, but they just moved to Brooklyn, two blocks from Brooklyn Tech, and they wanted him going to Brooklyn right. Tech. Right. And that. also, really important to note, there are no wait lists, and there's no like a do-over. Right. If, you, if your kid puts um, Stye as their first choice and they get in, and then you decide, you know what, too much pressure, we'd rather go to Bronx Science, too bad. That's it. Yeah. Um, and if you miss the cutoff by a point, yeah. there's nothing you can do about it. This is it. This is final. It's a first round. Um, something important that I learned last year, you don't hold a specialized spot. So if you don't love your main round selection and you want to go into the second round or appeal, you lose your specialized spot. Oh, that's important to know. That's really important that's to really know. Important so, to know. If, so make sure so you that can't keep holding, you can't keep you holding can't it in your hip pocket. Up. Right. And then right. do round two. So really, again, rank in the order of preference that you're interested in, and you don't have to rank all eight. If your kid only wants to go to, you know, math, science, and engineering, and none of the others appeal then to them, just put the one. Just put the one, and that's totally fine. It's completely separate from the main round application where there's up to twelve. On the day of the test, do they give extra time to bubble in school rankings? That does not count as part of the actual test taking time. That's part. That's uh, that before the test begins, they'll walk the kids through where it says name. Please print your last name and put right. in these recording bubbles underneath that correspond to the letter. You're, they're going to walk through it because otherwise, the American Civil Liberties Union or NYPIRG will file yeah. a lawsuit. So during that time at the beginning, they're going to walk through and now please put your choices. So the time for filling out the bubble sheet is before the before. test begins. Also, that made me realize that in this new setup that we don't know how it's going to work yet, it used to be that you were an, you were assigned when you were taking the test by your middle school. So my you know my little one went to lab, and everybody at lab took the test at 8 o'clock on Saturday morning. Right. Um, but now that people are signing up themselves, I don't know if they're still going to go by school. school. That's going to be interesting. So we'll see. But the test is given at 8 in the morning and at – Look, I think it's now 1230 because the test is longer. Well, the arrival time, the, oh, that's interesting. The arrival time was always 8, eight but the, start, 12, the right. start time was 9. But, right. I don't, but it used to be 8 and 12, but now that the it'll, test is It'll longer, say on the admission ticket. The, but you, and, and maybe in this new setup, you have a choice. I don't know. And that brings up one thing I thought of earlier that I did want to mention is, depending on the schools you get and depending on the weather, if we have a free October snow. Snowstorm. My daughter's well, in that. Not, and not a snowstorm that's going to like snow out the test, but just five inches and it's cold. Your kid will be standing outside between 30 and 60 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we had that. October freak snowstorm and yeah. my poor child and a windbreaker and thin So you make sure they're bundled up. Right. If you are a family that has a car, there's the thought of driving and having the kids sit in the car for a while or a parent stands online and freezes their butt off in exchange so the kid's in better shape. And you take the test room. in the borough that you are going mm -hmm. to school in. Yes, and where you... Where you well usually where you live, but that's interesting. But sometimes, yeah, there could be kids school, who right. live in Brooklyn and go to school in Manhattan. Right. They'll wind up at Stuyvesant. Right, right. But you know, maybe that'll There's change, change too. Now. So you know, we're leaving you with probably more Sorry. questions than you started with. But, but it's hot off the presses today, so right. we weren't able to. But breaking a lot news: of answers. you're going to have information nobody else has yet. True. Will parents, for will parents be able to sign kids up slash guidance counselors? Like, is there like will be either or, or is it just? Gonna I be had read. At some point, that it was going to be both. Um, that guidance counselors could do it and parents could do it as well. But now it's kind of sounding like, sounds like maybe it's, it's parents. Just parents. Yeah. That's Again, I think that they announced that they were doing this without having thought through the entire process. You right. know, it's, it's a big process for a lot of kids. Uh, so I think that's another we'll wait and see. Do kids with extended time get breaks? 
Uh, there are, well, actually, you can different 504 accommodations provide different things. Some kids get uh, extended time and a half. Time and a half, and then there's double time. And there's double time, and there might be like a student who has childhood diabetes gets an extra 10 minutes to be able to take a break and eat and give an insulin shot. But I don't so, know if there's a built-in. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's a built-in extra break. Or a, but that's a good question, but, and I will find out the answer. Yeah. Uh, how many questions can you skip during the test and still get a good score? Well, well you can't that, answer that anymore. <laughs> if that question said, and still get into a certain school, I could probably answer it a little better, but it varies. So you have Stuyvesant, Science, Lehman, or Staten Island Tech, who have moved up the food chain. Uh Math, science, and engineering, York, and then tech and Latin down towards the bottom. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking for what are the bottom schools, I mean, if you left 10 questions blank on each side, that wouldn't be a horror show, but it also depends on how much you're yielding, how accurate is your child being out of what they're doing. So that could work out great. But it they, also depends if the ca questions count. Right. I mean, and then you're wrong, now you don't know which that, one you're skipping. Are right. you skipping ones that count? Are you skipping ones that are the field experimental questions? And that could... So it's much harder now to give information about that because there is that really yeah. big question mark for like 20% of the So trying to give exact numbers of what's okay. Once you're working with a teacher in a class or a tutor and can deal with specifics of your child, you can be about, get a better answer to that. Me trying to answer it is a little tough right now. Yeah. Did I understand correctly that the questions later in the math and English are worth more points? No, no. it's not. <laughs> it's, it's not later in the actual test. It's how many you've answered correctly. How many are in your pile of corrects? Yeah. So I like pile of corrects. Pile of correct answers. So let's say you just, for whatever reason, you decided to do the section backwards. Okay. You started at 57 and you worked your way up to one for whatever reason, just to illustrate the point. So the last five questions I'm getting right, which would be questions number five, number four, number three, number two, and number one, are worth more because they're the 45th, 46th, 47th, sorry, 43rd, 44th, 45th, 46th, 47th in my pile of corrects. It's those last five in the pile, regardless of regardless what question, of what they are, question have, number they are. Right. So that's they get really, me those extra points. Yeah. And then the test, the questions within the test, they're like... Easy, medium, and hard too, yes. right? And on the math, there is not a strict order of difficulty. Like you'll find later on on tests like the SAT and the ACT, we know where the easy, medium, and hards are. For the math on this test, you definitely want to use a two-pass system, skip things that are hard along the way, because at the end, on the last 10, there could be five nice user-friendly questions to your child. So you don't want to just get do each one as it comes if there are ones along the way that the he or she don't particularly care for because there might be some nice, gettable ones towards the end. Okay. There are so many variables these days. Yes. Yeah. What percentage should we be shooting for if the goal is back 89 to 93% correct. So it's a lot. It's high. It's high. It's high. Can they repeat the verbal questions? Because it was hard to hear. So the verbal questions. Remember what we And I'll see if... The verbal questions... Ask that they can be more specific with yeah. the question. We'd be happy to repeat anything yeah. that we weren't we clear. Added, um, we've got 26 new messages, so I'm sure we'll get to it. <laughs> All right, so we have a time cut, right? We're going to do this until 7. 
So just yeah. let people know that there are 13 more minutes. 13 okay. more minutes. No we'll problem. Talk fast, but clearly. Yes. All right. What percentage is needed for Brooklyn Tech? Tech is probably around 64 to 68% correct. Can you please fill in the rest of the rankings? I, you know, I, I just I, don't we, feel we, comfortable yeah, with those we numbers. Been, yeah, we, you know, we talked about it before. Now, and until they added in these test questions, you could say with some clarity yeah, what I'm, percentage you needed. But now that there are these extra 20 questions and nobody knows what counts or not, it's much harder to give a percentage right. because there's this... This extra flash anything, that doesn't yeah, count. The big thing that's true, anything I'm saying, like 89 to 93% at the top, or you know, 60 to 64, 64 to Of the questions that count. Of the questions that, that count. count. But we don't know what questions count, so, so it's not really a fair You know, if number. your kid gets, like, all the experimental questions right, let's say all 10 of them, but then all their wrongs were out of the ones that counted, that percentage could be off. So that's why I've been really hesitant to go yeah. through school so by a, school. It's a very hard thing to give and a number. And don't want to hold, have people say, wait, but you said 74. Yeah. Right. Um, because it's really, at this point, impossible to say. Yeah. All right. Not to be rude to everybody, but I'm going to skip all the what percentage for questions. Yay. Thank Let's you. It's a question that doesn't really have a, an answer yeah. people want to it's hear. It's tough. Yeah. So, a couple of years, three, four years ago, I would have got into it. Yeah. Um, Maybe you can clarify this, though. Yes. You said Brooklyn Tech and HSMSE are at the bottom? No. Brooklyn Latin. Brooklyn Latin. And Brooklyn Latin usually has the lowest cutoff score. Brooklyn Tech has the next lowest cutoff right. score. Um, Brooklyn Tech has such a low cutoff score because they're so big yeah. and they can accept so many kids. Yeah, taking around 1,500 kids. Yeah. So if they were smaller, they would be up in the, the right. range of like the Bronx science. But it's really, you know, freshman class this year is about 1,500 kids. Um, someone asked, thank you for answering my questions. I got all my answers. Oh, yay! <laughs> that was a good question. Are IEP students expected to have the same scores as other kids or slash and are seats held for them at each school? No. It's the same, same test, same everything. You get accommodations in terms of test time, right. but there's not a separate uh, Cut number. Off. Right. Did you say they can bring water and a snack into the testing room? They can, but I've heard back from parents that kids were not allowed to drink or eat during the test, even though right. you were supposed to be able to. Um, but there was a real disparity between how kids were treated at the, school. The way I handle the snack issue is that, as I said, I will create a bathroom break and I'll have the kid just use up four minutes of the test going to the bathroom. While they're going to the bathroom, while they're walking down the hall to the bathroom or up the hall back from the bathroom, if they had a protein bar or right. a banana or something to snack on, they can eat while they're walking. Smart. Yeah. But you can't, and they won't, they won't let you eat in the room. They don't want to have something happen to the bubble sheet. So if you have like a jelly donut and your jelly spills yeah. on the bubble really sheet, they're not going to. disruptive gonna... to everybody else in right. the room if somebody is like opening, like it's right. like you're in the movie, like in the movie it's really theater, quiet, so it's... and sprinkling <laughs> that Twizzlers wrapper, and then everybody else is distracted. But the idea of creating a four-minute break, I mean, there are very there are very few students, you really need to think this through, there are very few students who are going, I, I shouldn't say that, I say it's a small percentage, maybe 20, somewhere between 20 and 40, who really are going to wind up using every minute of the three hours. Because you're going to have some students who are more in line with getting, you know, into one of the lower tier schools. They're going to have questions they don't know how to do. Mm -hmm. So at some point, they will have possibly, a lot of kids will have done every question they know how to do. 
And the only thing left are things that are a bit beyond them. They may have 10 minutes left in the test and there's really nothing to do. And be careful about encouraging your child to go back and double check stuff. Yes, double checking is so important. If If, you've got extra time, don't just kind of hang out and think about what you're going to do after the test. Always carefully double check. You never know when you catch them. Make sure they only go to questions where they knew they were feeling doubtful on to begin with. What happens with a lot of kids during that period of time is they're so hopped up to find boo-boos as they find boo-boos where none existed. And they start changing right answers to wrong answers because they want to be useful of their time. They start doing stuff they shouldn't be doing. So that's a good thing in terms of test prep test-taking skills, and my son was a whiz at this, of marking off next to questions. Totally fine. Right. Don't even think Don't about it. Don't look at it again. But if it was a questionable or he wasn't so sure about it, he would have a specific coding so he would know. A star or a question right. mark, whatever. He was using stars. Um, so he could go <laughs> through the sheets and then not get caught up too. He'd be like, oh, star, 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 and then know which ones he, he really needed to go, go double-check. Perfect. Yeah. That really was, again, using your time well, time mm-hmm. management, time management. Okay, so two things. People are having a hard time hearing me ask the questions, so sorry, everybody. But Kenneth in here was restating everything, so thank you, Kenneth. I appreciate your help. Thank you, Kenneth. <laughs> thank you, Kenneth. Sure. And we will restate the questions. We'll do that. Yeah. We'll be better about that. Um, that being said, there's only one question left. Okay. So, just in time. Oh, we got another uh, one. Okay, good. <laughs> um, I got to scroll up again. Sorry. Would the washroom not be crowded during the test? So that would be time lost. Uh, the washroom will not be crowded during the test because there's no scheduled break. So, so long as, I mean, theoretically, I think what the parent's getting at is if every student at the 90-minute mark or the 88-minute mark at the exact halfway point were all marching out at the same time, yes, that might create a problem, uh, which is probably why they don't do an so organized you know break. So here's... But so long as it's staggered, you know, your kid, don't forget, your child may use up only 80 minutes doing the verbal, right? right? And, and, or they take a little longer on the verbal than they do on the math and they're using 95 minutes. So the chances of there being a rush on the bathroom, I think is small. Also because I think a lot of people may have thought this when I first said it, how can you take time away from the test? And which is most people's reaction. So they're not even going to think or discuss with their child that they should be taking a break. But here's a good question that I had as a question. I know you don't have the answer to this. But uh, but every proctor does things a little bit differently. So there are proctors who will say, if you have to go to the bathroom, raise your hand. There are proctors who will say, no bathroom breaks. There's not, it doesn't seem to me from, especially the feedback I heard last year when things were really rough at Brooklyn Tech um, and kids were sitting in the auditorium and not allowed to leave or go to the bathroom for hours. Um, Doesn't I don't think that there's any training or set rules as to how this works. Different schools operate differently. Different proctors in different schools operate differently. So some some kids will walk into a room and the teacher will be like, hey, this is how it's going to work and give clear instructions. And others will mumble and kids won't know what they're saying. So, you know, that too is a little bit of a crapshoot. Let me add right in here, because this is actually a really important one that I've always needed to discuss with kids or parents. The verbal comes first, the math comes second. So a lot of people think, okay, my child does better on the math, or the kid thinks I do better on the math. I want to do the math first so that I know exactly how much extra time I have to add to the verbal instead of guessing. Because you can go back and forth. Yes, you can. But getting back to what you just said about proctors, I've always been loath to have a student plan on that as a game plan because if the proctor doesn't know their stuff and thinks the kid's cheating by moving on to the second section... 
I don't want them having an argument with the sure. misinformed proctor. Right. So what I've always encouraged the kids to do is, look, you're going to have done three or four practice tests. You're going to know what your time consumption is on the math generally. Right. So you can safely add those few minutes to the yeah. verbal or leave a few questions left on the verbal, do the math, and then go back with the time that's left. But technically, you should be allowed to do that right. if you want to go do the math I first. I add, too, though, that, um, that like my son, who took most recently, he was much better in the ELA half than mm-hmm. the math half. And then his tutor said at one point, you know what, why don't you, because he was having trouble finishing, he said, why don't you start with math first and see how it goes? And he bombed, 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 bombed. It was a disaster. He blew the math. <laughs> he also blew the English because he was so tired at that right. point and frustrated by having done math first. And his score was so low that it was actually a big concern about what was wrong. Um, and then he came back and he said, oh, you know what, I tried math first. We didn't realize that. So have what they're going to do set before they get mm. there. Don't and try, like, do not try anything new try out new, on the day of the test. Right. Sort of say, okay, so if math is better and you've been practicing, practice test doing math first, go into the test anticipating doing that. Don't change it up day of because mm. it can get, it can really throw people. Okay. Um, so, yeah. And you had one more? Uh, three more. Three more now. Wow. Okay. Last three. Last three. Are you guaranteed to get into a school on the regular application list, whether or not you get into a specialized high school? Okay, so are you guaranteed a main round spot regardless of how you do on the specialized test? Eventually, every kid in New York City will get a spot in New York City high school. Uh, hopefully, it will be during the main round, um, but not always. Last year, I think it was 6 or 8% of kids didn't get a spot, which is thousands of kids. So that's why it's really important to to thoughtfully put your list together and make sure that you've got a range of different kinds of schools that you don't show up with an application with two schools. So yes, everyone will eventually get a spot, but maybe not exactly when you. Yeah, not all for, not all for the first round necessarily. Yeah. So the whole test is three hours, and there's no separate time limit on verbal and math. There's a suggested time of ninety minutes and ninety minutes. You are not. You do not. You do not have to hold to that strictly. I know this is weird because I'm almost every other test on the planet, it's by section and there's an exact time. The, the SSAT, the IC, the SAT, the ACT. So this is a bit of an oddball in that respect. So yes, it, in essence, it's one big three-hour blob. You could do 45 minutes on math, then 90 minutes on verbal, and then 45 minutes on math if you so chose, right. technically. But once again, I get concerns, as Alyssa's already mentioned, about proctors who don't know their routines or what the real rules are and start saying, oh, no, you can't do that. And you don't want your kid arguing and fighting with a proctor on the day of the test. So that's something right. to watch out for. Which is first, math or verbal? Verbal's first. Last question. Last question. Without percentages, can you please rank the schools in order once more? So uh, according you know, and this is important to know, the Department of Education never releases cutoff scores. So any information about how kids are placed and rankings and cutoff scores is self-reported. Right. This is kind of crowdsourced. There's a couple yeah. of... And you can email like cutoff yeah. scores for New York City specialized high schools and you know, enough people answer so that you get a good sense. But if somebody says, oh, the cutoff score for style was 667, that's not based on the DOE telling you that. That's based on people who got into STI and the lowest number that anybody reported was a 667. So that's what the number is. Mm. And those numbers fluctuate every year. Yeah. So if somebody said... I automatically will guarantee a spot with this. No, it depends on that year's, you know, 
what was the most popular, but Sty is always at the top and always at the top by a lot. Then the next jump down is um, it's a mix between Bronx Science, American Studies, High School of Math, Science and Engineering, and now Staten Island Tech is also up there as well. Um, and then Queens, uh, York, York College comes generally after that, and then Brooklyn Tech, and then Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Latin. And that should be eight. Okay. So there you go. There is one more, but you guys are going to appreciate this. Okay. Isn't there an official rule book the kid can show the proctor? And then Kenneth, who's my best friend now, said, probably not. That would probably aggravate them more. I'd be interested. Is there an official rule book? No. Well, there's this student I, handbook, but I don't know if what it's if it says specifically nothing, in there. No. And but if it if it does, look through the student handbook. I mean, I have I haven't like not read mean the, the high in, school. No, the student handbook for the specialized high school. Oh, special high school directory. Like right. The handbook. Right. The handbook. And look in the first 19 pages where they have all the directions. I have not read it word for word, page by page. This at this point to see if what changes. Right. Over. It changes every year. Right. I don't ever remember but, seeing anything like that. If there was, that would be good to have. And if if you're going to follow suit, the two gentlemen uh, who uh, are doing this, uh, talking about this, I would make sure your kid talks to the proctor prior to the beginning of the test yeah, and points out, hey, I can do either section first or, hey, I can go to the bathroom. So if there's going to be an argument, because you'll be amazed. And I've had oh, it happen yeah, during yeah. SATs, ACTs. Yep. They will make up rules that don't exist. And right. unfortunately... And when you have a scared 13-year-old taking yeah. a test that's really important, it's not the time to confront yeah. a grown-up who right. can be very stuck in their ways, whether their way is right, right or, or not. Um, you don't want that kind of right. argument happening. Um, yeah, I wish that there was some sort of formality or structure to all of this, but there isn't. Right. And also, you know, I will just leave with this, which isn't like the greatest most happy <laughs> thing, um, but information out there isn't always correct. So just the way uh, on, the, on the DOE's website until maybe today, it said that uh, your guidance counselor would be in touch with you about high school, you know, specialized high school, uh, you know, signing up for them. That was until today. And then suddenly it changed. And their website still said that this morning. And then all this other stuff exploded. So just because you see it somewhere doesn't mean that's actually yeah. necessarily the truth or the way things are at that moment. So, you know, the shifting sounds of this, it's not, nothing is concrete, nothing is set in stone. Things are always changing. Um, and so it's hard to find a firm balance on that. But I would just sort of take Jonathan's advice, set up a bathroom break, have a snack in your pocket, don't eat anything crinkly. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, and if your kid, you know, if you have a kid who really needs like a, a blood sugar issue or, or water or hydration or something, just have them sort of say something to the proctor. You know, I'll quickly end up with one more quick tip. Um, I learned when my son, you know, my daughter took the test and I knew nothing about it. I sent her off with this sea of children on the overpass to Stuyvesant and I like waving goodbye and it was really kind of sad and it was snowing and I didn't know if I'd ever see her again. Um, <laughs> and then I realized that I could actually not do the overpass. I could just walk to the front of Sty and that you're admitted to the school and you take the test with the kids you're online with. So my son found a whole bunch of his friends and he took the test with his friends and they joked around in the class beforehand, mm. and it was very—it was much more casual and um, enjoyable. And you know, they all made plans to go to the park, and they went to Shake Shack, and then they went and played basketball afterwards. And so his experience was completely different. It was much more calm and um, and reasonable because he was with his friends. And even though they were hyped up and they were nervous, at least he was with people. And so that can make a big difference in the day too. Um, so just things to you, you stand online with a friend. Back in the day when I took the test, the Stuyvesant Jazz Band performed for ah. all the students before the test. 
There was no Jasmine. <laughs> but there were, par- there were always parents waiting outside and applauding as the kids came out. Aww. And it was really charming as, you know, the first one would straggle by <laughs> and all the parents would clap. Like and the marathon really, runners. Was like, you did it, you did it. And so I actually um, went and I, I dropped my kids off, but I was also there to pick them up when it was over just to see how it went. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also because they can't t- take their phones. Right. So I, I, my son's like, could you please just come back with my phone? And so there you go. Um, more questions, be in touch with us. Absolutely. Yeah. So how can people find you? Uh, you can reach, uh, 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 Tori, are we putting info up? I will, I, yep, I will put your right now. Yes, yeah, and yeah. mine too, please. Yeah, so any yeah. questions about anything, just reach out and we will be back in touch. Absolutely. Not okay. a problem. Jonathan, it was a pleasure as always. As always. Thanks so much for watching, folks. Thank Thanks you very much. You guys, so I can get your emails out. Oh, okay. Uh, oh. Okay, well, mine, it's my name, Jonathan Arick, A-R-A-K, at noodlepros.com. Um, and just a reminder, I've been tutoring standardized tests for over 30 years. I've been working on the SHSAT since 91. You know your stuff. Helped write the manual back in the day. Um, matter of fact, there was a period of time when they were changing one part of the test every year. We used to have to write a chapter while we were teaching the course and teach it at the end of the course because they would shift. There were six people at Livingston Street whose oh job it was, and to justify their job of writing the test, they would take 10 questions and change them every year. Just for the sake of so changing So this year it. is like complicated, but it's also been complicated. I am. Um, you can find me at um, highschool411nyc at gmail.com. And now. And now. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. Thank See you ya. all. Take care.